wanted to start out with something tonight that may sound a little bit unique uh, to hear, but I read this book called Live Not By Lies, uh, and uh, when I say read, I mean I listen to the audiobook. And Live Not By Lies, I don't usually recommend a lot of books, but this is one that I think would be great for every Christian and every Canadian to listen to. Uh, something just to, to get some simple thoughts. So, but tonight, um, if you've read the book and you're like, oh no, here we go, you know, whatever political message, it's not, it's not at all. Um, I just, that, reading that book got me thinking on a, on a, on a, on a thought pattern that, that I, I wondered about that phrase, live by lies, you know, live not by lies. Um, have you ever heard somebody say, man, I'm tired of living a lie? Have you ever heard, uh, you know, usually that gets followed up with like a bombshell confession or announcement, right? Like, I'm tired of living a lie, honey, we're through, you know, or I'm tired of living a lie, um, I, I, I want to be a guy. Or what I'm tired of, you know, living a lie, um, I, I, I'm leaving, you know, my, uh, my marriage or I'm leaving my faith even. We've seen that many times where people are just like, you know, I'm tired of living a lie and and I began to wonder of that. And I wonder, you know, how many people are stuck living in a lie right now? There may be many. But the thought that came to me was, I wonder how many people are living a lie right now, but it's subconscious. They don't even realize that they're living a lie. How many of you know that what you believe matters? Nobody? Then let me tell you, what you believe matters, like a lot, what you believe matters a lot. Your beliefs and my beliefs, they determine our actions. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, is our beliefs and our actions, are they based on truth? Are they truly based on truth? Because, because it matters. And I think never has it been more important that people know or understand the truth. Because right now we're told that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth can be whatever you want it to be. You know, truth is classified as arbitrary, you know, as relative. Uh, how many of you have heard somebody say that, use the term my truth? You know, that I, you, I can have my truth and you can have your truth. And we think, yeah, that's, that leads to these, you know, non-hostile conversations. Okay, you have your truth and I have my truth. My question tonight is, though, is that truth? Is that truth? And if a life is based on that or a belief is based on that thought, is that truth? So here's a, a question. It's not a trick question, not for the homeschool students, uh, but... Uh, two plus two is how much? Two plus two is? You playing at home, two plus two is? Four, thank you. So two plus two is four. But if I were to say, hey, my truth is actually that two plus two is five, does that make it true? Not a trick question. Is it, is it truth? So if I'm building my life on, and we're not saying obviously it's not two plus two is five, but if I'm building my life on things that, that are a, a truth like two plus two is five, Am I building my life? Am I building my belief and convictions on truth? No, we'd have to say no. What if lots of people say, hey, two plus two is five. Does that make it truth? This is, yeah, thank you. What if the majority of people say two plus two is five? Does that make it truth? No, no. See, and we live in a day and age where truth is so important and yet so misconstrued and misunderstood and, and, and so watered down. Paul describes it that this is nothing new. In Romans chapter 1, he writes them and says that people knew the truth about God because they could see it in creation. They could see the things he created and realize somebody created this. And they knew the truth that there was a God. But it says, but they suppressed the truth. He says in Romans 1, they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. They suppressed the truth because they wanted wickedness instead. They wanted their own way. We wanted to, 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 to build our lives on our own truth is what Paul was saying. But does that mean that the real truth is changed? 
No, what, what did truth become if you change it? If you change truth from what it was, if you took two plus two is four and said, now it's two plus two is five, what happened to truth? It became a lie. Thank you, Richard. It became a lie. And as Jesus followers, I wonder sometimes if we allow truth to become changed. And as a result, we end up living based on a lie and not realizing that it's even happening. And I wonder if that's happening all over the place. So as Jesus followers, simply for those who would say, because if you're not a Jesus follower and you're just sort of watching online or you're here in the room and, and uh, you're like, I'm not really sure about all this stuff, then, then no worries. You can listen in. There's some good stuff. But as Jesus followers, we would say that we follow and we listen to Jesus as the absolute and final authority on truth. <laughs> if a man can die, predict his death, predict that he's going to rise from the dead and pull it off, he knows what he's talking about, right? No, that, that man speaks truth because he's more than a man. And so when we look at the final authority on truth, we look to Jesus. So as I was reading this week, I read through John chapter 8. And John chapter 8 is like this fascinating conversation that Jesus has with the religious leaders of the day. And so just um, grab your Bibles, go there because it's important. John chapter 8. Um, John chapter 8 begins with Jesus just teaching in the temple. He's, it's early. It's early in the morning. He's at the temple. And the leaders, um, the religious leaders come up to Jesus. We've talked about this lots of times. They bring this woman who they caught in the act of adultery. They probably had her, you know, kept her all night long and were waiting for Jesus to show up at the temple. And then they bring her to the temple and they throw her down in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, the law says we should stone her, but what do you say? Because we know the crowd loves you, but if you say to stone this woman, man, we got you. And if you don't say stone this woman, well, then the law stands against you and we got you. And he instead, you know, does the famous thing, writing in the dirt, and he says, you know what? Whoever is without sin, you throw the first stone. Well, none of them can. None of them can. He reveals to them what's really going on in their heart by, without even saying a word. And then he says to the woman at the end, you know, after he says to her, hey, your sins are forgiven. Well, the leaders who had left with the stones, they dropped the stones, they didn't go very far. They were just far enough that they could hear. And he said, you are forgiven, go sit no more. And they heard this and, and that, little, that anger thing rose up on the inside of them. And they got indignant. And they're like, wait a second, only God can forgive sins. Who do you think you are? Do you, and, and they came up to Jesus and they asked him, they're like, hey, only God can forgive sins. And he's like, yep. And they're like, so you're saying, yep. You're saying you're God. Yep. Not quite quoting it verbatim. But then he goes on to say, he, he sees them on the, he says to them, listen, you know what, I, I'm not just God, I am the light for the world. Like the whole world is actually in darkness and doesn't even realize it, but he says, but I am the light. And you know what, he says, to, he says you don't have to keep walking in darkness, verse 12. He says, you don't have to keep walking in darkness if you don't want to. If you don't want to be in the dark, if you don't want to be living a lie, which uh, we'll come to in a minute, he says, you don't have to. You, you can follow the light of the world. And the guys are looking around because they're like, wait a second. The woman's already, who's he talking to? Is he talking, he's talking to us? Wait, hold on a second. We, we're not in the dark. We're in the temple for goodness sakes. We are like, the, we're like good with God. What do you mean we don't have to walk in the dark anymore? And he, they, they come closer and the conversation continues. And they're like, we want to know where you get your authority to say things like this because we, we don't think you should be saying, who do you think you are, they said. And then Jesus would use words that Jewish people would totally understand. He would say, I am is with you. And when they heard the words, I am, they're like, wait a second. That's the, that, those are, that's the name of Jehovah. That's the name that Moses used when he brought the people out of Israel. And he says, I am with the father and, and he, the father, I am, he's with me. 
And it says that many people who are listening in, they're like, now that makes sense. I believe him. I believe in him, it says. They trusted in him because they had seen the miracles. They had watched how he treated people. And they're like, yes, I believe. And so here's John 8, verse 31, because I, I, I wanted to get to this part. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So these people are like, oh, okay. And these other surroundings, like, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. He says, you, you can follow me, but you'll be my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And he says, and as you follow my teachings, verse 32, you're going to know the truth. You're going to know the truth. You're going to know what's absolutely truth. And guess what that truth will do for you? It'll set you free. And the guys listening around are like, what do you mean free? We're the descendants of Abraham, he said. We've, we've, we've never been, we're not slaves right now. What do you mean we're going to be set free? I can just hear them like, we don't need you. We don't need your truth. We're fine. We're children of Abraham. And I can hear it today. You know, we don't need what you're saying. We, we're good. Our truth is good enough. You can have your truth, but my truth is fine. We don't really need that. And they would go on to say, we've got our traditions. You know, we've got the law. We're God's chosen people. And Jesus replies to them and says this, I tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Just back it up a little bit. What did, how did this conversation start? They brought a woman caught in sin and threw her down before Jesus. And he's like, you thought it was her. <laughs> but he's like, everyone who sins. Remember when I said, you know, hey, if you've sinned, drop your rocks. I'm like, oh, yeah. So all of you rock droppers, do you realize that you are a slave to sin? Not just the woman you brought here. Verse 35, he says, a a slave's not a permanent member of the family. He's like, yeah, you think you're in God's family. You think you're good. You think you have the law. But if you don't keep the law, you're not really in the family. And I don't know that you know that. And he says, but a son is part of the family forever. Verse 36. So if the son sets you free, then you're truly free. You know, it's, <laughs> he says to them, he says, man, if you, if you guys really were God's chosen people, you wouldn't be trying to kill me right now. And he knows. They, they'd picked up their rocks again. Now it wasn't for the woman. Now it was for Jesus. And he, he sees it. And the, the conversation continues. And they continue arguing with Jesus. And the temperature gets a little bit hotter. And the conversation rises. Have you ever had conversations with people where it just starts to get extra heated? Can I, as we look, can I show you why that happens? Here, John chapter 8, verse 42. So Jesus, he tells them, if God was your father, you would love me. You guys claim to be like, yeah, God, we're God's people. He's like, if you were, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own. He sent me. I am has sent me. Verse 43, so why can't you understand what I'm saying? He says, it's because you can't even hear me. And here says something just so harsh. If you just read it at face value. He says, for your children of your father, the devil, <laughs> and you love to do the evil things he does. And I think sometimes people picture Jesus like screaming at them like, you're children of the devil. And slamming podiums and waking people up in the pews, you know, like. But he says, you know, he says, you are your children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character for he's a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. And they seem like pretty harsh words until you realize that Jesus was lovingly trying to reveal to them that they were actually indeed living a lie and not even realizing it. 
See, when the truth comes in, it reveals, it reveals things. And Jesus came to reveal a lot of things. He came to reveal who God is. He talked as if he knew, he, he talked as if he knew God. And people were like, man, this guy knows him. He's like, yeah, it's because I am him. And he came to reveal to people that God wants relationship with you, like as a father, not like some God way up here, like, you know, sending lightning bolts down. He's like, he wants you to call him, you know, father. When you pray, start by saying, heavenly father. And then it says, but, and I think we, we don't often realize this, but Jesus also came to reveal that we have an enemy, that we have a real enemy and that enemy is personified and he has a name and it is the devil or Satan. And he came to reveal that we are living in a battle right now between darkness and light, that he came to the darkness of the world. You know, as John 1, the light has come into the world and the darkness didn't receive it. But he's like, there, you need to understand there's darkness and light happening. And the New Testament writers would, they captured this. After Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death, and they realized, man, this guy is who he said he is, they realized this understanding that they were in a battle. And so Paul, Paul wrote to many believers, making them aware that they were in a spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6, he, uh, he says that, put on God's armor, right? So we said, from now on. Slower this time, from now on. Exactly. From now on, put that on because you're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. How do you live in a world? How do you live in a world where it's so easy to live by lies? Have a few thoughts for you. You know, taking notes, write them down. Number one, know your enemy. Know your enemy. You are not fighting against flesh and blood. Here's something I think that, that Satan has convinced the Jesus followers of, has com- completely got us into this spot where we fight one another. We are so quick to attack what we see. We're so quick to attack a person uh, rather than the enemy that we don't see. And you know what? The devil's going to use people to, sp- to spread lies, for sure. For sure he's going to use it. But my challenge to you and my encouragement from the Lord is don't attack the person. Don't attack that person. Attack the lie. Attack the lie. You know, especially if you're a Jesus follower, he's called us to be united. And Jesus, when he comes and explains this to these people, he's attacking the lie, not the person. Because Jesus reveals we have an enemy. He's called the devil. And one of his greatest lies is that he doesn't exist. One of his greatest lies is that he doesn't exist. And he just gleefully watches as you guys attack one another, as people attack one another. You know, the, the, Paul wrote in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, he says, he's the God of this age who blinds the minds of those who don't believe. You know, a lot of times we, we're so hard on people for not knowing what they don't know. You know, it's like we see them living their life and we're like, wow, that's based on a lie. And so we attack that person or we whatever, but not realizing that when people are blind, they're blinded for a reason. They're blinded for a reason. You know, I think when we talk about wondering what is truth, how do we know the truth? I would challenge you with this. Consider the source. Consider the source. Consider where the, the information is coming from. The devil can't do anything but lie. That's what he does. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. So who is behind the information that you're building your life on? Who's behind the information that you're believing about, about you, about God, about others, about life? Who's behind that information? So number one, know your, know your enemy. Recognize who it is. It's not a person. It's a spiritual, uh, a spiritual enemy. Second, know, know his tactics. You know, Genesis, the famous story of, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's just in Genesis 3, it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say? And some of you are like, ah, oh, man, I don't believe these fairy tales or whatever, you know, about this Garden of Eden. Just, just, 
even if, it, even if you think it's a fairy tale, listen to the story part of it. He says, did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden? Of course we might eat from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you'll die. In verse four, he says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes are going to be open as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. Satan's tactics have remained the same since back then. Starts with doubt. Did God really say? Is that really true? Then there's a lie. You're not going to die. He'll just throw something right in there because once he's got you doubting, he's got, he's got a chance for you to do that. And then the third thing is just divide. First get you to doubt, then lie, uh, buy the lie, and then divide. And what happens with the divide? It's the blame game. Oh, what do you mean? You know, Adam's like, wait, it's God, it's, it's Eve. It's the woman. Uh, no, it's the woman you gave me. And she's like, wait a second, we did this together. It was the serpent, right? And divide, divide, divide. Peter wrote to the Jesus followers as well. And he said, listen, First Peter 5, verse 8, he's like, stay alert. Watch out, Jesus followers, because you have a great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Have you ever heard a lion roar before? That is a crazy sound. Uh, we saw it at a zoo once and we could hear this thing roaring from like far away and you could feel it. Like it was like this scary thing. You, you, like the only reason you're not scared is you know there's a big strong fence in between you. But that's, he says, this is that idea that that, that, that blood curdling sound just stirs fear in the hearts of people. He says, that's what Satan is like. He's going around trying to stir up whatever kind of fear he can. You know, lions in the wild, they hunt under the cover of darkness, usually after a single animal. And if it's a herd, they, they separate one. And, they, and that's the one that they kill. You know, one of the reasons that we think gathering as Jesus followers is important is because the same thing happens in the church. If he can get you divided, if he can get you all on your own, you're a sitting duck, a target I don't know how many people I've talked to said, yeah, you know, I haven't been listening for a few months. You know, you meet people like, hey, good to see you. Like, who are you? Oh, it's you, Mark. And I'm like, wait, they haven't seen me in a while, right? <laughs> what, what happens? That's just the way the enemy works. And so not only do we have to know him, we got to know his tactics and what he's doing. You know, some of the common lies that I hear that he uses all the time, things that you even hear like today, you're not essential. You're not essential. Some of you have been deemed essential or non-essential, and, and that thought is in there. I've heard so many people where that lie is, is just fabricated in different ways. You're not essential. You're not valuable. It's this subtle attack on the humanity, the, 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 the greatest thing that God loves. You know, or you've had the lies in your mind that God's not really good. He doesn't, you know, God doesn't really care. What is that? That's the enemy deflecting his evil onto God, and you're buying it. You know, he says, oh, there's no hope. Just give up. Four conversations this week with four different people, all dealing with somebody who wanted to take their own life this week. We are in a place where people are buying into the lies that there is no hope. Just give up. Know your enemy. Know his tactics. Number three, know your weapon. What's the opposite of a lie? Truth. What's the opposite of a lie? Truth. And Jesus said it. You'll know the truth, and the truth you know will set you free. Do you know how you know when you're believing a lie or when you're believing truth? The fruit of truth is freedom. The fruit of truth is freedom. The fruit of a lie is slavery. Whatever it may be, wherever that lie is or whatever that truth is, I can tell you that, from, that the fruit of that truth will be freedom. You know, Paul wrote that truth was an essential part of the armor of God that you put on. You need to have truth in your life. 
And, you know, learning from the life of Jesus and how he handled the enemy, we look at Luke chapter 4. It just says this, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by Holy Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And then the devil said to him, what? If, if you're the son of God, here we go again. Let's toss a little doubt. Just like the garden, let's do it again. Did God really say, if you're really God? He says, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. And what does Jesus tell him? No, the scriptures say. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. Verse five, he says, then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. You know, I look at that and I think Jesus didn't accept that, but I wonder how many men have. These kingdoms are mine to give to you. How many have? How many have? He says, I'll give it all to you if you worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, here's that doubt. The scriptures say, he's gonna order his angels to guard you. They'll hold you up with your hands so you don't even hurt your foot on a stone. What does he do? He just uses scripture, twists it into a lie. And Jesus responds, A, the scriptures also say, you're not to test the Lord your God. And then the devil finished tempting Jesus, realized he's not winning and he leaves. What is Jesus' weapon? Truth every single time. It's, it's the word of truth, the word of God. In John 17, 17, Jesus simply says, your word, Father, is truth. And it is the truth that you know that sets you free. And my question is, do you know the truth? Do you know his word? Do you know the truth that, to the point that it sets you free? Just go back to those lies we talked about earlier. You're not essential. You're not valuable. <laughs> truth rises up to say, for God so loved the world, including me, that he gave his only son for me. You don't think he loves me? You don't think I'm valuable? He gave his life for me. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are a masterpiece of God that he has not finished working on yet. You're one of a kind. If you're listening to, tonight and, and, you, and you have those thoughts, that lie on the inside, that you're not valuable, you're not, you're not good enough, or you're not essential, or whatever it is, you are. There's only one of you on the planet. There'll never be another one. You are a one of a kind masterpiece and incredibly valuable to God and others. You know, God's, God's not good or God doesn't care. Paul would say from Romans 8, there's nothing, neither death nor life, no angels, no principalities, no powers, no nothing can separate me from his love. <laughs> Does God love? Does God care? Yeah, Peter would say in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on him because he cares about you. So God, here it is. I'm putting it on you because I know that the truth is that you care about me, whether I feel it or not. See, we, we allow our feelings and our emotions and, and all this stuff to change truth. The, the, the truth is, though, that truth never changes. We go from that moment and allow our emotions to, to bait us into a lie. You know, the, the, the lie that says, ah, oh, there's no hope, just give up. The psalmist would say, well, I so downcast, oh, my soul. I will put my hope in God and I will praise him. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, he says, you know what, we're pressed. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. We might be perplexed, but we're not in despair. Maybe we're persecuted and they speak evil of us, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. You know, for every one of the lies, no matter what they are, there is truth that will set you free to live. <laughs> I've shared often that in my teen years, I didn't think that living growing up was worth it, that the suicidal thoughts, even in my own mind, that I'd grow up to be a burden on society and the enemy just piles those lies in. That fear of man, that, oh, afraid of what everybody's gonna think of you. That one that still always tries to come in and get there. 
I'm just grateful that the truth of <laughs> what he thinks about me, that, that, that he allowed me to know the truth and that I can be here today as a result. It's just proof that it's true. And then finally, you got to know your enemy. You got to know his tactics. You got to know the weapon of truth. But above all, you need to know your God. You need to know your God. Real quick, a couple thoughts. Numbers 23, 19, they just wrote that God's not a man that he should lie. You can count on him that he will never lie to you, ever. Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created and is supreme over all creation. You want to know what God the Father looks like? Look at the Son. Verse um, John 14, Jesus said, the, the, the visible image of God said, I am the way, I am the truth. The truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And later on, Jesus would introduce Holy Spirit to the picture. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, that's who he is. He's gonna guide you into all truth. He's not gonna speak of his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard and he'll tell you about the future. What will he lead you into? All truth, spiritual truth, truth in life. Trust Holy Spirit, he will lead you, but you gotta know him. You know, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, we're one spirit with him. Remember our little picture the other uh, couple weeks ago of the body, soul, and spirit, that part that became alive to God? He moved in, and he became one spirit with you, and you can hear his voice, and you can be led into truth. You can know that whatever God says is absolutely true, but do we have that worldview? Or have we allowed, you know, all this other stuff to get us away from what is absolutely true? And that's what he's asking each of us to do. Would you trust the truth? Would you trust the truth? Our world wants to change truth to suit its agenda, but every single time it doesn't change truth. It actually just reveals itself to be a lie, but usually it's years, decades down the road. But truth doesn't change. Real truth isn't changed by feelings, by emotions, by popular opinion. It's simply truth. So the question tonight is, are we living our lives based on truth? Our our thoughts about God, our thoughts about ourselves, the thoughts about others, and our thoughts about our world and life, are they based on truth? In closing, you know, the responses of those people at the beginning of the story. You know, I think about the woman who was thrown on the ground in front of Jesus, and I think about those leaders who were there. When the religious leaders came into face-to-face contact with truth, it brought up anger in them. If the truth comes out and anger is the result, that says something. That says something about what's going on in here. He says, you know, that when the truth comes, it, it made them angry. And they would go on to crucify truth on Good Friday. Crucify truth himself. And then I see this woman who came in contact with truth when all was revealed. The truth of who she really was. The worst of the worst in the presence of the best of the best. And she went away with that encouragement to leave that life of sin. You know, the woman, actually, maybe both of them are a picture of us, but the woman is a picture that I relate to. Caught in sin is a picture of all of us, brought to Jesus, brought to the truth, and all is revealed, and he offers forgiveness. And that is the same today, right now, in this room, wherever you are. Whatever your past or your life might look like, he offers forgiveness, he offers freedom, he offers life, if you will trust him. If you will trust him to be the truth, the author of life, you don't have to walk in darkness anymore if you don't want to. You can simply reach out to him and say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Because what you believe matters a lot, a lot. It's affecting every part of your life. So are you living a lie or are you living free? 
Are you living your life through the lens of real truth? I think every one of us has elements of our life that might easily have shifted from that, that he desires to do in us. So I think tonight there's probably lots of applications to this, uh, to this message. And Holy Spirit may take us in a hundred different directions because he has an individual relationship with each of you. But my hope above all hopes is that if you don't know him, that that first step would be to say, there's something that rings true in what I've heard. So God, if you'll take me, here I am. Here I am. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the God of truth. And in a world that's crazy and convoluted, that we can find the one who has remained the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we know that there is absolute truth we can hold on to and trust that you will remain. Father, I pray right now as we put our hearts just on the table in your hand, would you, would you look inside us? Would you investigate? And Lord, would you uh, shine a light on the things in us that need to be adjusted? I pray for obedience and courage to take those steps. Lord, may, may our lives truly be seen as those who would not live by lies, but would live by the truth, with the truth, and for the truth. Thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we have some discussion questions. Maybe you're watching at home alone. Maybe you're, uh, you know, with somebody uh, here in the room. I'd love for you to take a few minutes to, to chat about some of these things or just even answer them for yourselves. Or maybe you're going to take a picture of the screen and, and uh, go home and, or think about it along the way. But here's a couple thoughts that I'd love for you to consider. Number one, what jumped out at you from today's message? What was like, oh, maybe it was a, maybe it was a good thing. It was like, oh, I like that. Or maybe it was that anger stirring up on the inside. What grabbed you today? And, and why? Secondly, has there been times when you felt like you were living a lie? Has there been times? Maybe for you, it's like, you know, I, I just honestly haven't been really sincere about my relationship with God. I haven't been like, you know, on fire for him. Or I feel like, yeah, just going through the motions. He's calling you. Third, how, how do you determine? How do you determine what's truth in your life? Have you given it thought? Is it just what you read? Is it just what somebody told you? Have you dug a little deeper? How, how do you determine what's truth in your life? And then finally, how has that affected your actions? If you look at your life today, how has it affected your actions? So I hope that that allows Holy Spirit to do some, maybe do some dirty work in our lives today, but for our own good and for his kingdom. And uh, looking forward to seeing many of you, uh, hopefully, you know, tomorrow or sometime soon. Just know until then, love you and thank you for being a part of his family. We'll see you next time.